Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, I thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to open up your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your truth that never changes. So I pray that you just fill us with your spirit now. Open our hearts up to you even as we open your word up to us. Change us. Work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've had some fun in this series. We've looked at giving thanks to the Lord because he is good and his love endures forever. We've talked about giving thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. And, and, and we talked about the difference between goodness and righteousness, that there's distinctions, the words mean things. I think translation is an interesting concept. Uh, your English translations of the Bible are interesting things because they'll, they'll come at the same verses from all sorts of different angles. It's, it's complicated to try to translate stuff and to know how to say it in a way that best reflects the original. I don't care whether you're talking about the Bible or anything. But are newer translations better than older translations? Are older translations better than newer? Define better. I mean, a newer translation can make use of better, clearer, more complete original sources, better resources. And yet, newer translations, by definition, have to change things to justify their own existence. So by definition, you're consciously having to add things. And that's bad translation theory. And it's not even that easy to translate things in the first place, even if you remove those constraints. Because if you know anything about language, you know that there's, it's really as simple as, well, this is what that word is in English. It's not always a one-to-one -one correlation. There's some words in other languages we don't have a word for in English. German has a word, Fernweh. We don't have a word for that in English. It means a nostalgia, a, a love, a yearning for a place that you've never been. I can, I can use all those words to explain what Fernweh is, but I'm using all those words. And if the whole point was one quick thought, I can't do that in English. I spent my entire life feeling Fernweh, for Scotland and Ireland. Not just, a, oh, I'd love to go there sometime, but some sense that that is home and I've never been there. And a year ago, I finally got to go there and I spent most of the time crying because I'm like, it is home. This is home. So how do you express that in English in one word? Which English, by the way? Modern English? 1611 English. Which is the right English? Southern English, because it has a plural for you. Y'all. To be fair, up north we do too. Use guys. So I mean, but, but there's this sense of going, well, wait a minute. When Jesus says you, is he saying you, Mark? Or is he saying you as a church family? Which you is he saying there? You'd know if you read Greek, not necessarily if you read English. Stop and think, how would you say this in a way that people truly understand? Do you write it in poetical English? Make it prettier than the Bible writers did, because they didn't know what they were doing as well as you do. No, use colloquial English, so it doesn't sound as formal as you know the Bible is supposed to sound. What do you use? It gets complicated sometimes. Hebrew in particular is a fluid language. It, it's nuanced, and it can be really difficult to decide how to express that in a concretized, structured kind of English. 
Uh, look at what uh, Scott just read from Psalm 9, verse 1. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. Or is it, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. Or is it as a different one says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart, and I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. Which is it? Am I giving thanks or am I praising God? And these are all perfectly legit translations. These are three really good translations. So which is it? Well, that Hebrew word is actually, it could go either way. That Hebrew word is used to mean both giving thanks and praise. Because in that mindset, it's, well, I'm giving thanks as a praise. And any praise that I'm giving is to give thanks. To them, that was that word at least is synonymous. But am I telling everyone about God's wonders or about his wonderful deeds? And is there a difference? Aren't wonders just the same thing? Because it's only one word in Hebrew. It's not wonderful deeds, marvelous deeds. It's just wonders. And it only implies deeds. It doesn't say anything about anything he's done. That word itself. It's used to imply words, that stuff that God has done. But does any of that matter? Does it matter? Or am I just picky in? I think it matters. I think words matter. Thank you. Can I get a a man? I think words matter. If somebody has been suffering from bulimia and they finally are getting over it and I see that they're finally putting some meat back on their bones and I go, finally, you're plump. (laughs) Plumper. Yeah, plumper. Yeah. Words mean stuff. I was skinny when I was a kid. My grandmother used to talk about, oh, you're so skinny, you're so skinny, you're so skinny, you're so skinny. And then, you know, the growth spurts halted for a minute, pre-puberty, and I went there and my grandma said, oh, you're fat. (laughs) That was several decades ago, and I remember that conversation. Words mean stuff. They mean stuff. And because they mean stuff, sometimes we miss the nuance, we miss the crucial meaning when we shrug our shoulders and say, Flammable, inflammable, unflammable, they mean the same thing. Those are three totally different words. They mean three different things. You know the difference between flammable and inflammable, right? Between inflammable and unflammable, right? (laughs) Do you want me to quiz you? Three different meanings. Even the choice to say the word Lord in Psalm 9 is a choice. And I get it and I respect it. But the, the writer, David, did not say Lord. He said Yahweh. Out of respect, we usually say Lord, and I totally get that. But since the very next verse says, I will be glad and rejoice in you, I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. That's probably another instance where maybe, maybe we say Yahweh here. We remind ourselves that it's, he's not just, we're not just talking about him being in charge. We're talking about this God this guy. So I would read this as saying, I will give thanks to Yahweh with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. And why did I choose wonders instead of wonderful deeds? Why did I do that? Well, first off, because again, it's one word. It's wonders. 
not deeds, but also because the point that I genuinely think David is trying to make here. If you look at the end of the psalm, it ends with David singing, Arise, O Yahweh! Don't let man succeed. Don't let man triumph. Let the nations be judged in your presence and place them in reverence, O Yahweh. Let the nations know that they are but men. The ultimate point that David is making here isn't, hey, beat up all my bullies. It's show the world that they can't win. Show the world who you are. Show the world how other you are. Show them your wonders and that they are not you. He doesn't say necessarily, I, I want you to show them by all the nifty stuff that you do. I want them to understand this. That's what the Hebrew word in verse 1 means. That's what it's all about, pala, the sense of, of, of wonders, the sense of, of, of amazing. Of, it's used to, when you're talking about making a special vow or something that's supposed to be difficult. The whole point of pala is to go, it's beyond you. This is beyond you. And it's a different word. It's a different word than mofeth, which is about uh, miracles. Miracles are intended to be conspicuous. They're, they're spectacle. They're trying to demonstrate something. They're a thing to, that gets your attention and points you to God. They're a thing that God has done. David's not talking about those. He's like, I want to talk about God's paw, your wonders, your beyondness. Show them how big you are, how beyond. I think of verses that make that distinction, like in 1 Chronicles 16, 12, where he says, remember the wonders he has wrought, the miracles and the judgment from his mouth. Three different things, right? Sometimes we say that, the wonders, the miracles, and we say them like they mean the same thing, and they don't. These are three different things that we're singing about in 1 Chronicles. So Psalm 9 is not talking about thanking God for the amazing miracles that he's done, though we should do that. Tell you what, let's even do another sermon about the specific miracles that God has done. That's not what we're getting at here. David is thanking God for being beyond, being above and beyond, being more, being bigger, being amazing, being unfathomable. It's like back in uh, Genesis 18. God promised Abraham and Sarah they'd have a child, right? And they both went, wow, praise be to God, I believe. What did they end up naming the kid? I laughed. They named laughter. Why? Why Isaac? And you're like, because Sarah's initial reaction. <laughs> like, that's going to happen. Sarah. Um, she didn't. She didn't. But Sarah laughed. And I love that in, in, in Genesis 18, 13, Yahweh says to Abraham, so um, why'd Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? <laughs> yeah, right. Is anything too hard to Yahweh? I will return to you at the appointed time next year. Sarah will have a son. There's nothing that is beyond. That's the word he uses there. Is there anything pala? For Yahweh, is there anything? Is anything beyond him? Is it? Is there anything that's beyond? And I love, I love 
when you really break that down, he's not even saying, is there anything too big for me? Is there anything too much for me? He said, is there anything that isn't even in that, in that concept? Not just, is there anything that I can't do, but is there anything that I would even conceive of as being pala from my end? Is there such a thing as a big prayer request and a small prayer request? To you guys, but to me, God says? To me, it's all just, yeah, okay. I really could use some help here today, and I could really use you to move this mountain tomorrow. And God's answer to both of those could be, yeah, okay. Is one bigger than the other? Is one doable and one's pala? Not from God's perspective. It's just what he does. Whether or not he ever does it for you, whether or not he moves a mountain for you, whether or not he ever does what you want him to, is the fact that nothing is beyond him worth thanking him for. Is it? And if so, is there ever a time when he isn't beyond, beyond? Is there ever a time when anything is pala for him? You know, well, no, he's, it's always that. You know. And if I should thank him for when nothing is beyond him, and he is always beyond, beyond, when should I live in gratitude? If I should be giving thanks because he is good and his love endures forever, when should I be giving thanks? If I should be giving thanks because of his righteousness, his rightness, his correctness, when should I be giving thanks? If I should be giving thanks because nothing is beyond him, when should I be giving thanks? Thank you for answering. I will ask other questions where I would also like answers. This one, don't. Except in your own brain. Is that then the way you live? Is that then the way you live? Every day, whether he moves a mountain or not, living in gratitude. I know I struggle with this. I don't stand up here and preach because, well, I've got it all together. I just happen to have the book in front of me. And I'm thinking about it. And as I've got the book in front of me and I'm thinking about it, I know I should be giving thanks. He's the God who parts the Red Sea. They're running from Pharaoh. There's a big sea in front of them and a Pharaoh and armies behind them. And God's like, why would you be afraid? Why would you? Here, just open it and then walk through and then I'll close it. Like, what? I would never have thought that that's what was going to happen. Would you have thought? Well, I just assume that's what's going to happen. Or is that unfathomably beyond what you would have assumed could have happened? So when God goes, why would you be afraid? I've got this. Is your response, uh, I'm sorry, I, look at what I, is your response, um, okay, I mean, I don't see it, but, uh, or is your response, I bet you do. Okay. No water is parted yet. Pharaoh's still coming. Can you have peace? Because you know nothing is Paula for God. You remember his wonders shouldn't that affect our stress levels shouldn't that affect our prayer life shouldn't that affect our faith to know to know that nothing is beyond God that he's 
going to answer our prayers with either a yes, that's what I'll do. No, because I want you to hold off for a second. I'll do it in a minute. Trust my timing. Or no, I'm not going to do what you ask because I know more than you do and you need to trust that it's not an inadequacy on my part. It's an inadequacy on your part. Shouldn't that affect my prayer life? My faith. How I live out my life. What seems like wonders to me, unfathomably beyond me, is just what God does. It's just Him. When He's saying God is wonderful, you go, yep, all the time. Just lives in that. I think of the guy who brought his son to Jesus. We just talked about this. Just talked about this on, on, on Friday night in, in Bible study. The guy who brought his son to Jesus to cleanse him of a demon that had been terrorizing the kid for years in Mark chapter 9. And he says to Jesus, well, I mean, if you can do anything, take pity on us, help us if you can. I don't know. Now, granted, there's a context to this. The disciples couldn't do anything. But he's like, I don't know, Jesus. I mean, if you can. Remember Jesus' response? If you can. And he says it in such a way that apparently it had a reaction to the guy. The guy was taken aback. The guy was, uh, if you can, if you can, help me out. Everything is possible to him who believes. Everything is possible. Nothing is beyond the God in whom we believe. So do you believe? And immediately, because it's Mark's gospel, everything's immediately, right? Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Yes. No, I'm sorry. Yes, you're absolutely right. Which is a totally legit prayer, isn't it? I got to admit, I got some struggles. I do believe. That's why I brought the kid here in the first place. I do believe. Help me fill in the gap in my unbelief. I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. Wonderful prayer. We should be praying that. Do you believe that? Is that a good prayer? Do you believe that Genesis 18 says, is anything beyond Yahweh? Mark 9, everything is possible for him who believes. Do you believe that? Good. Then live like that. Have faith like that. Whenever you're in church, When are you in church? Yeah, because church ain't the building, right? This is just the building where the church meets. You're the church. I'm sorry. Y'all the church. (laughs) These guys are the church. You're never not the church. We're never not the church. So let's live like that. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but it is relatively simple. Do you struggle, though? If you, if you say, I believe that, and you go, then live like that. Do you struggle to believe that sometimes? Be honest with yourself. Do you ever struggle to go, God, I don't know, if you can help me with this, do you ever struggle and say, I, I, I mean, I believe in God. Yes, God. God's great. Wonderful. All right. But I really, I, I really have to be on top of this because if I'm not, if this happens, and you go, so you struggle to believe. I don't struggle to believe. I'm just stressing. Then you struggle to believe. Stress, faith can't coexist at the same time. You have to choose one and let the other one go. By the way, they bounce back and forth a lot. 
You can't sit there and go, I, I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I trust you, but I don't know, I don't know. Then you don't trust me. If you say, I struggle, good, you're human. Welcome to the rest of the species. How should you pray? I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. I, I do. I want to believe, and I do believe, but I know that I struggle sometimes. Help me with that. I love that. Because both of those are, do you acknowledge that nothing is Paula to God? Nothing is beyond God. He's a God of wonders. Imagine a life where you live every day like you genuinely trust that God is good and his love endures forever. You live every day with that in your mindset. He truly is always good and he will always love and he will love you perfectly always, no matter what you do. Does that change? I'm not even going to ask you to imagine. Look back at the week you just had. Was there ever a point in that week where perhaps that mindset in the forefront of your mind might have changed your reaction to something? Imagine if you genuinely believe in his righteousness, his essential, infinite, unerring correctness. Whatever God is sharing is true. If the entire world stands against it, if everything in your heart, everything in your personality bristles at it, but God has spoken it, it's true, and we're wrong. To live in that, is there ever a part of the last week where that might have changed how you reacted to something? Do you genuinely trust his pala, that nothing is beyond him? Nothing is beyond him. Nothing is beyond him. Imagine what that would do to your gratitude. If every day you gave thanks that he is good and his love endures forever, you give thanks that he is righteous, right, correct, you give thanks that he is beyond everything and nothing is beyond him. I love Psalm 27. Yahweh is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Yahweh is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army besiege me, my heart won't fear. Though war break out against me, even then I'll be confident. Or is David naive? He hasn't faced the kind of giants that you have. Okay, bad example. He doesn't understand what Israel's going through, going up against Palestinians. Okay, bad example. He says, what? What are they going to do? Who should I be afraid of? Of whom should I be afraid? Worst they can do is kill me, and I'm going to die anyway someday. They're going to kill me tomorrow instead of me living for another 10 years before I die of heart disease? I'm going to die. To live in fear of death is irrational. If I want to be afraid of anything, I want to be afraid of dying badly. I want to be afraid of dying having lost my faith. I want to be afraid of dying pointlessly. No, 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 no. Dying doesn't bother me. When the Philistines had seized David in Psalm 56, they'd seized David. We're specifically told. And he sings, When I'm afraid, I will trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? What can these Philistines, these Palestinians, do to me that I should fear. Kill me? 
I mean, I'd rather not be dead. He says in verse 8, record my lament, God. List my tears on your scroll. I'm not saying I'm enjoying this. But ultimately, verse 10, in God, in whose word I praise, in Yahweh, in whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Is David naive? Because he'd never faced real horrors. Or is this precisely the sort of psalm that Israel should be singing this morning? Is it? I am besieged by Palestinians. I will not be afraid because I want to walk with my God. For those of you that nodded, yeah, that's exactly what, yeah, they should. Then shouldn't we? who face far less immediate torment today than the people in Gaza do, than the people in Israel do, people in Ukraine do. I should be singing this and saying, well, <laughs> what's the worst they can do, kill me? I'm not afraid of him. He's my mission field. This is somebody trying to kill me. That's exactly the sort of person I want to reach for Christ. Because there's only two kinds of people in the world, right? Your brother and sister in Christ and those whom you wish to be your brother and sister in Christ. If somebody's trying to murder me, I'm pretty sure they're in that second category. I hope! I am under vows to you, O God, David sings, as he's being seized by his enemies, the Philistines. I am under vows for you, O God. I will present my thank offerings to you. Not just for your miracles, but for your wonders. For being able to know, to absolutely know that nothing is beyond you. Years later, Asaf would sing about people in Psalm 78 who don't keep God's covenant, refuse to live by his law. They forgot what he's done, the wonders he'd shown them. They forgot his amazing beyondness. They forgot he's so much bigger. And when you forget how big God is, it's so easy for us to decide that we, we can do this without him. Maybe we should do this without him. For a non-Christian to go, I don't even think there is a God. Whatever. I got this. Maybe there is a God. Whatever. If he makes you feel good, good. But I think I've got other things that make me feel good. God's not a happy pill. Even Christians can do that. God's big, but I mean, I still, I mean, I'm the one that has to, I have to, it's me, really. But I'd love for God to help me. Dear God, help me do this. If you could serve me, I'd appreciate it. But we forget how big he is. Nothing is Pala to him. He is Pala. He is beyond. He is the wonders. The God of wonders. It's not that I say, God, I need to do this today. If you could help me out, that'd be great. It's that we say, Lord, as I come to this today, let me do this in you, please. Walk with me. Let me start with you. Let me end with you. Both are asking for God. Is there a difference in tone? To remember that is crucial, and it changes things. Esau sings, in spite of his wonders, 
They didn't believe. So they ended their days in futility and their years in terror. That's not where I want to be. That's not where I want to be. Is that where you want to live? With a life that feels futile. A life that feels like it's, I'm just scared all the time. Not when everything is possible for him who believes. Not when the angel tells Mary, nothing is impossible for God. Do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus when he says that? Do you believe Moses when he said that? Do you believe David when he said that? Do you believe the angel when he said that? Do you actually believe that? Intellectually, do you believe that? Spiritually, do you discern that? Relationally, do you live that? Or is there a disconnect somewhere in there on a day-to-day basis? Because I tell you the truth, there is for me sometimes. Intellectually, I know this. Spiritually, I discern that. Relationally, sometimes I still fret. You know why? Because I've got skin and bones, and the problems I have have skin and bones, and that's what I look at, and that's what I see. And I forget his beyondness. I forget that. And I start edging toward futility and terror. And I don't want to go there. It should change how I live. It should change how I respond to the people who mistreat me, shouldn't it? Somebody mistreated you. Well, get back at him, because that's all there is. Just you and him and teeth and claws and blood. No, wait, he mistreated me. He's either a brother in Christ that I should step up to and teach, or he's somebody that is lost, and he's reacting out of his lostness, and I want to step up and reach. Why did I even assume that I should kick him back? Because I've got skin and bones and teeth and claws and blood. It should change how you treat those that you think it's inherently hard for you to love. You know, I don't know. That kind of person really gets under my skin. I don't really. She's really difficult. You know, I'm sure she is. It's beyond you. Of course, you're not only made up of what's capable for you and what's natural for you. It should change how you face the giants that seem so terrifying, the waves that seem so huge. It's not rocket science. It's just knowing the truth. Capital T truth, and that capital T truth setting you free. Knowing that God is good and always good. Knowing that his love endures forever and always does. Knowing that he is right and he is perfectly right. And that he is those things even when those around him are wrong and unloving and ungood. Aren't there verses that he loved us even when we didn't love him? He was good even when we were sinful. He was righteous even when we chose other. Go thou and do likewise. Or is there a better example for us to follow? It should change the way we look at things. Nothing is beyond him. That should change things. It's not, a, it's not even like it's a ton of things to remember. It's not a checklist. It's a paradigm where you go, no, I should be looking at life differently than I was looking at it before. I should be looking at this differently, different eyes. Even, even when we think about checklists, like we think about the law, the complexity of the law, all those hundreds of laws. I love that even after God gave his people his commandments in the Old Testament, he encouraged them in Deuteronomy 30. He said, I want you to turn to Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Because the irony is, even as he's giving the law, he says, following God's law isn't technically about following every jot and tittle of the law. Technically, following God's law is ultimately involving every jot and tittle of you. I want all of you, 
want all of us to do all that stuff. Sure. But the key thing here is the you-ness of it. I want you to wrap your head around this paradigm. I want you to write it on your foreheads. I want you to write it on the back of your hands. I want it on the doorpost of your home. Oh, you want us to put scrolls in phylacteries on, the, on our foreheads and on the back of our hands and on the doorpost of our home. Sure, that's not what I'm saying, though. I'm saying I want it to be written in your heart. Gosh, I don't know how to do that. Would that be a... Listen to what I'm saying. I want it to be a paradigm, not just a list. Your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. But even then, I love that he continues and he says, now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not palaw. It's not beyond you. It's not far off from your everyday life. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask, well, who's going to ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we could obey it? It's not beyond the sea so that you have to ask, well, who's going to cross the sea to get it, proclaim it to us so we could obey it? Now, the word is very near to you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart so that you obey it. That's Deuteronomy. We think that's, that's like Paul talking in Romans, isn't it? This is Moses talking in Deuteronomy. But Paul says it's not, a, you have to go into ascend into heaven or cross the seas. Paul says that, right? Paul says, I want you to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Paul says that. Moses said that. And Paul said that. Because Yahweh said that. None of this should be law to us. Believing in Christ as Lord is not beyond us. Believing that, he raised, that God raised him from the dead is not beyond us. It's not beyond us because it's not beyond the God in whom we believe. Paul quotes from Deuteronomy, and I love that Paul quotes God talking about following his commandments to prove that it's not about us following his commandments. Because Paul's smarter than me. It's about God being so palaw that nothing is palaw to him, so none of this is palaw to us. David sings, I will give thanks to Yahweh with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Wouldn't you say giving thanks is appropriate to that? Not just of the stuff he's done, not withheld because of the stuff he hasn't done, lavished on him simply because of who he is. Okay, one last little bit. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. One last little bit to chew on. Remember the doxology that Paul gives midway through his letter to the churches in Turkey, the letter to Ephesus that was to all of them. He says in, in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be the glory in the church. Hey, that's us. And in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. I love that. Most of us have heard that, not all of us, but can I geek out on the Greek for a second? Do you mind if I geek out on Greek for just one second? To him who is able to do immeasurably more, exceedingly abundantly above, far more abundantly beyond. The phrase in Greek is, well, it's basically hyper, hyper, Peresos. Peresos is the Greek word meaning extraordinary, beyond. It's, think of it as the Greek version of Paul. Paul says, God's work in you is Paul. No, no, he doesn't. He says it's uber extraordinary. 
It's beyond polar, which itself would be hyperbolic in, in English, right? It's beyond, beyond. Actually, Paul says, no, 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 because it's hyper, hyper this. It's hyper perissos, hyper, hyper perissos. It's beyond, beyond, beyond. You know how you, what you can imagine, what you can think of? Beyond that. No, beyond, beyond that. Can you imagine beyond, beyond what you can imagine? It's beyond that. He's not even, he's not even being ironic about it, but that's the grammar. Imagine what's beyond your ability to imagine. Now go beyond that. Now go beyond that. He's beyond, beyond, beyond your ability to fathom. God is? Technically, no, that's not what he's talking about. And he says, this isn't hyperbole. I'm not being ironic. This isn't just hype to rev you up. This is completely accurate to say that God's wonders are beyond you, beyond your ability to fathom. And that's the work he's doing in you right now. What God is doing in you right now is beyond, beyond your ability to, beyond your ability to fathom. What are you afraid of? What on earth are you stressing about? What on earth are you stressing about? We look at wars in Ukraine and Israel. We look at civil unrest in our own country. We, we get cancer diagnoses. We read eviction notices. We imagine what somebody or something might do to us or to our children. And we live in futility and terror because we forget his wonders. We forget his wonders. Paul says, Beyond, beyond, beyond your imagining. That is what God is already working in you right now. What are you afraid of? What are you forgetting? What are you missing? Beloved, don't forget God's wonders. Don't forget his wonders. Trust that he's beyond your imagining. And his sovereign will is right all the time. I love that Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. His spirit coursing through you. Powerful spirit in you. No matter what you're going through today, no matter what giants you face, do you believe that God and his infinite power, his infinite resources, the nothing is impossible for God, God is coursing through you. I don't even, I'm not, I'm not even being all prosperity doctrine. I'm saying, Paul, do you believe this church today? Or do you live like, yeah, no, I, we got something a little special. Or do we have something fundamentally different that changes us? Do you believe this? He says, I pray that so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, God's love that endures forever, I pray that you being rooted and established in that love, not dislodged so that you somehow forget these wonders, I pray that you may have power together with all the saints, all the holy ones of God, everybody in his church, 
to grasp how wide and how long and how deep and how high is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It is so much beyond. It's beyond, 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 beyond. To know it so that you have no unbelief in you because that truth is very near to you. It's in your mouth and in your heart to know this so that you could be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, not to your measure of your ability to be full, but to God's ability to be full. I want you to be filled to God's ability to be full, not yours, his. And you go, I don't, even, I don't even understand what that means. Oh, is that unfathomable to you? Then good, you've got it. How many things, just in this chunk, I pray that he has this glorious riches that strengthen you with power, dwell in your hearts, and you're rooted in faith, and you know how wide and long and high and deep is the love, that, this love that surpasses knowledge, and I want you to be filled to the fullness of the measure of the fullness of God. And we go, eh, no. So now to him who is able to do far more than, far more than, far more than anything that you can even think of, I'm not being redundant. I'm trying to grammatically express if you think you've wrapped your head around it, you haven't wrapped your head around the depth of his love. If you think you've wrapped your head around it, you haven't wrapped your head around the depth of his power coursing in you right now. To the degree to which you go, I get it. You clearly don't. To him who's able to do far more than, far more than, far more than all of that we can ask or even think of according to his power, not just ours, his power, that's already at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen? In the midst of his suffering, Job said, God performs wonders that can't be fathomed, miracles that can't be counted. While fighting his enemies, David says, I will give thanks to Yahweh with all my heart and I will tell of all his wonders. First Chronicles 16 says, Give thanks to Yahweh. Call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonders. Can we, can we do that? Can we live like that? I want to give us a chance to do that. A couple weeks ago we did a responsive reading and all the liturgists in the, in the audience go, Yay! Well, they didn't because, you know, they're liturgists. Today, I want to do the opposite. I want to give a more free-form opportunity for people to share. And in both of these, I know I'm stretching people, but it's my job to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. So I'm going to close in prayer, and then I'm going to ask the AV people to end this service. So for you watching at home, the Lord bless you. So then I want you to be able to share from your heart. Just... What is God's wonders that, that he is showing to you? What is it that you go, this, this is too unfathomable for me to understand, and yet I know it's true. God, help me with my unbelief. Just don't have to give a diatribe. Just raise your hand and go, this. Somebody else go, this. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you. I thank you that you are good and your love endures forever. I thank you for your righteousness, your rightness. And I thank
Thank you for your wonders. Thank you that you are so far beyond tooth and claw and blood, skin and bone. You're beyond my ability to imagine. You're beyond that. In fact, you're beyond that. Be glorified, Lord, not just by my words, but from me genuinely believing how big you are. In Jesus' name, amen.